There's a community all over the world, traveling without spending a lot of money, getting to know each other, taking advantage of hostels. Used to be youth hostels, but now it's just hostels. And I'm joined by Stephen McPhillamy, who actually runs a youth hostel in Northern Ireland. We're going to talk about starting up a hostel, maybe making it your own business. What's it like to run a hostel? And and what's the the scene for hosteling around the world today? Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Rick. Stephen, you run a hostel in Derry in North Ireland. Yeah, I opened my hostel in 2003. I was walking through the city centre one day, saw a semi-derelict building on a street called Asylum Road, which was very aptly named. Asylum, Asylum Road, Road in Londonderry. Yeah, right in the Whoa. middle. Just where the old lunatic asylum used to be, and it was for sale. Uh, I called up, asked what the price was. It was £160,000. So you spent about a quarter of a million dollars to buy this building. Yeah, and it's a substantial size of a building. It's four uh, floors, eight fairly big bedrooms. And uh, I'm able to put either four beds or six beds. You know, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, it'll take a lick of paint. There was nothing major structurally we had to fix up. I couldn't have afforded it on my own, so I had to ask a friend to come in with me. Uh, we got a loan from the bank, and seven years later, 100,000 people of all nationalities have slept with us. 100,000 people have slept in your youth hostel yeah. in Derry. We had our 100,000th guest in 2010. 100,000. Now, Derry is a pretty rough-and-tumble town in the north of Ireland. Yeah. I mean, people go to Belfast, and that's considered quite an excursion for a lot of people going to Ireland. Not a lot of tourists go to Derry compared to Galway. Oh, absolutely not. And in terms of European backpacking, we're really on the fringes of the empire. It's like something in the old Roman days. So what kind of people are, are these 100,000 people who have stayed in your youth hostel? Well, uh, our biggest market are Americans and French. We get a lot of young Americans coming through. We get a lot of French. I speak French myself, so in my promotion and marketing, I do a lot of stuff in French, so they're, they're comfortable coming to okay. stay with me because they yeah. know that they'll have their language spoken there. Our second biggest market is Spanish. Ironically, of the thousands of young Spanish who come to stay with us every year, none of them really identify as Spanish. They'll say they're Basques or Catalans. Most of them are young, dreadlocked political radicals. I've noticed this. When I'm in Ulster, Northern Ireland, you meet Spaniards, but they're not just Spaniards. They're Basques and Catalans. Yeah. Why is that? Oh, well, many of them are political radicals and separatists. So they're they're basically in solidarity with, with the Catholic downtrodden well, in North Ireland? Aye, and as a result of that, my hostel's filled with them every year. So Quite a political kind of travel. Yeah, and when they come to stay, they're staying for longer than your average backpacker. They're not really there to party. They're there to get to know locals or do a bit of political research or take part in a protest or go and really? see political news. So they're meals. coming from Basque Country and from Catalonia in Spain, for instance, to see how Catholics organize and get dignity and respect in a Protestant-dominated world of North Ireland. Yeah, and I think these well, these young Basques and Catalans, when they'd come... The religious bit wouldn't be all that important to them. They're more interested in the nationalist or the Republican community in Northern Ireland, not so much the, the religious factor. But the whole point is, I don't think a backpacker hostel in Holland or a backpacker hostel in Poland is going to get thousands of young Basques and Catalans. So it's to our benefit. Yeah. Um, our next big market then would be fairly wild and crazy young Australians from about 19 to 40 years of age. They come in on a tour bus every weekend and also midweek on a Tuesday night. So about half... My market is this tour company that comes in every week and half are their what we call walk-ins, you know, backpackers who'll come right. in and you can make more money from them because the walk-in who comes in with a guidebook in his or her hand right. will stay for more than one night, okay. sometimes up to two or three. So you got these busloads of wild and crazy Australian backpacker partiers. They just take a cheap bus tour and they stay one night in Derry. One night and uh, the tour company will pay us less than what somebody 
walking in would pay sure, us. So yeah. yeah, but it gets you a lot of business on but, Tuesday oh, yeah, night we, or whatever. We need to have now, them, you've yeah. had 100,000 people in your hostel. Have you had problems with uh, drinking, smoking, drugs, hooligans? What are your concerns that way? Uh, well, uh, smoking's against the law. We don't, and we wouldn't permit it anyway in the hostel. Right. Uh, drinking, we, we encourage them to drink sensibly. It's not right. a, it's not so a you can alcohol serve alcohol zone. in your... We don't serve it, but they bring it themselves. Okay, and that's we're, no we're, problem. It's no problem. Is there, there a drug issue with youth hostelling and so on? I, I've never encountered it. I, I don't want to sound naive. Maybe right. I could be accused of that, but I've never seen a major drug problem. Some people might smoke a little bit of pot here and there, but right. it's not a major It's not an issue. issue. And then is, uh, if there is a soccer game, do you get inundated with soccer hooligans? Uh, no, we don't have any soccer hooligans coming to stay. Here's a controversial subject in the world of backpacking, and that is generally in a, in a country, hostels will be reluctant to take guests from that country. I know a hostel owner in America, and his strict rule is no Americans. A Canadian hostel friend of mine, strictly no Canadians. In Australia last year, there was a campaign. It was called, Is It Because I Is Australian? Because Australians were being banned from the hostels. Now, why and, is that? Well, I have to be honest, 50% maybe of the Irish guests who come to stay with me cause problems. The local people that cause problems in their country's hostels. Yeah, well, sometimes hostel owners are asking, well, if you're in Canada and you're in Vancouver and a Canadian turns up, you're kind of asking, why is this Canadian coming to stay in the hostel? Why well, he's not got his own place so he's to not stay. A, yeah, he's not a tourist, probably. Well, yeah, or maybe he's been kicked out of the house by his wife or had a domestic dispute with a girlfriend. Or there are, There's all sorts of issues, but what I had last week a group of 20 booked into my hostel and told us they were a football team an Irish team, they did about 500 pounds worth of damage. Letting off fire, fire extinguishers is the big one in hostels. For some reason, there's a lot of guests who, when they have it too much to drink, like to let off in a fire extinguisher. No. It's against the law, and there's a 500 pound fine, but they still do it. And it messes up the place. Oh, it's <laughs> just a disaster. I'm Rick Steves. We're talking about running a youth hostel with Stephen McPhillamy, who runs a hostel in Derry, which is um, a major town in the north of Ireland. Steve and I hosteled a lot when I was um, a student traveler, and back then it was just the International Youth Hostel Association. Now, that association is called the International Hosteling. They've taken the word youth out of it. No more limit to just people under 26. That's right. yeah. What's the general status right now of hosteling? Does the International uh, Hosteling Association dominate still? No, on the contrary. There's an estimated 25,000 hostels in 180 countries, and Hosteling International are the parent body of about 4,000 of those. So there's a lot of independent hostels. A lot of people don't want to have the regulations and the perceived stuffiness of hosteling international. It was started by a German school teacher back in 1909 called Richard Sherman. And um, they have really good product. You know, I think if my daughter was backpacking through Europe, I'd probably want her to stay in a youth hostel association or hosteling Why international. It's just a safe bet. They have curfews often. and So it's more regulated. Very regulated. Generally I don't stable. think you'd always be able to have a drink. Uh, you'd know there's a curfew, you'd know there's a warden on the desk. Um, yeah. So it's guaranteed. But I don't think, personally, I wouldn't like to stay in one because it wouldn't be as much fun. So if you're, trying to, meet, if you're trying to meet people and have a lot of fun, you, you can have a little more crazy time in an informal hostel. I've talked to people who run hostels that just got tired of sending the $1 a bed fee to the hostel association. Yeah. Um, if you're an independent hostel, you're going to have less fees, less regulations. You have more flexibility, and it's your own. You're running your own show then. Now, in the old days, it was just one guidebook that had all of the hostels listed in it. Now that's just twenty percent of the hostels. How do kids and backpackers find out what the hostel options are? How do they book hostels? What's the source of information? Okay, overwhelmingly, backpackers are finding their beds either in guidebooks such as your own book or Lonely Planet. Let's go. But these days, the internet has really taken over, and one big website dominates. It's called hostelworld.com. 
It was started about 10 years ago by three Irish people who I know personally. They set up this site. One was a techie guy, a bit of a computer whiz. Uh, the other guy owned, Tom Kennedy owned a hostel in the middle of Dublin uh-huh. and they had a girl called Niamh Nivere who was working with them and she was a bit of a marketing expert. Anyway, to cut a long story short, Hostel World was sold last year for $250 million dollars to a private equity investment firm. Two, a quarter of a billion dollars for the website that helps people book youth hostels. Yeah. Now, this is a huge business. Uh, hostel World is very powerful. They take 10% of every booking. Some people in the world of backpacking were upset that Hostel World sold out because once it was purchased, North Korea, Iran, and Cuba disappeared off the drop-down box of countries because it was an American private equity firm who has bought it. So because of the trade embargo, wow. those three oh, countries... because they couldn't have them because of the embargo. Yeah, now not many of us would have been going to maybe Iran or no, North Korea anyway, but Cuba would be a big spot for Irish or Aussie or Kiwi or sure. French backpackers. So now we don't have the option of booking on Hostel World anymore. But now you run your hostel in Ireland, North Ireland, and you pay 10% of everything that books through Hostel World, and is that your major booking uh, service on the web? Yeah, Hostel World. And you're happy to pay the 10%? I have no choice but to pay the 10%. And right. the problem is if Hostel World turn around next week and think, well, let's put it up to 20%, I have no choice. You have no choice. You know, I shouldn't be you. telling them this. Yeah. But, you know. And there's another website called hostelbookers.com and us hostel owners all over the world, all 25,000 of us are fantastically happy that Hostel Bookers exist because they can counterbalance Hostel World. Oh, yeah. Our now only now you go to conventions, they actually have conventions where all the guys who run hostels get together. There's two types of award ceremony globally. There's the Golden Backpacks in Sydney every year in Sydney Harbour, but they sort of shade in significance to the Hoskers, which are every year, usually in Dublin, but now they've started to branch out this Hoskers. year. They're in London. It's the Oscars the of the hostel industry. You're talking champagne, jugglers, uh, circus performers, red carpet. So when I was a kid, the Pink Palace down in uh, Corfu, Corfu yeah. was the big one. There was a handful of hostels like this. What are the big dominant destination hostels in Europe right now? Well... Maybe this will be a surprise, but the top hostel in the world for the last two or three years has been in Lisbon. And out of the top 10 hostels in the world, I think three of them are now in Lisbon in Portugal. Huh. Three or four of the top 10 hostels are in Lisbon. Have you seen them? Yeah, I went down there recently to have a, a look, maybe a little bit of industrial espionage, espionage. bit of research, because uh, I thought this can't be right. Of the 25,000 hostels in the world, Three of them are in one street in one city, or one city block. In and one it's an Irish uh, organization that gave the awards. Yeah, and, and I thought, well, I just wanted to go down and see, because it's based on reviews from customers. Right. And these days, especially because of TripAdvisor, these young people may only be paying $10 a night for a bed. But by God, if that bed's not perfect, they will destroy you. They're much more tech-savvy than somebody who's paying $200 for their hotel bed. Right. So they'll go on TripAdvisor, they'll go on Hostel World, and they'll get you if you have one small problem at all. So I wanted to go down and see why these hostels in Lisbon were so good, and be quite honest. After a week of research there, I stayed in the mall and they are absolutely fantastic. How could a Portuguese, a Lisbon hostel be better than all the others? What was it that was so fantastic? Well, the number one in the world, it just, it was just, there was so much fun there. Here's the key to it though. They were small hostels. They had about 30 or 40 beds. And the staff is part of the fun? Yeah, the staff would take us out at night on little pub crawls. They'd make Portuguese sausage and cod and they'd give you free internet and a couple of beers and, you know, just small little things. That, and they're still profitable. Oh, I would imagine. They were charging us 15 euros per night, 30 people in a small building that probably doesn't cost very much for them to rent right. in the middle of Lisbon. There was another one that was number two in the world and it was absolutely in a palace. It was a bit like walking into an Ikea showroom. It was just 
perfect in terms of its interior design. There was an article on the wall from the Sunday Times, the UK newspaper, and it was a photograph of their drawing room. And then it said, the headline simply said, yes, this really is a youth hostel. There are some places you go and you find, it's part of the standards of a country, perhaps, that you go to the hostel and you realize, hey, there's no compromise in comfort in staying here. This is elegant. Scandinavia's that way, I think. You go to the hostels in Sweden and you yeah. have to take off your shoes to go in. Yeah, Sweden is fantastic. And in the middle of Stockholm now, there is a beautiful big sailing ship there that belongs to the Hostling the, the International. And that's booked up maybe years in it's advance. A beautiful place. Absolutely spectacular. Beautiful. And they have a prison in Stockholm that's turned into a hostel. That's right, yeah. Long home prison. I have never been to it, but I've heard. I've, it's like it's a on hotel, my but you got cells instead of rooms. It's next on and my isn't list. Isn't there one that's an airplane or something in Stockholm? Yeah, they have a jumbo hostel. It's a 747 converted into a hostel sitting up at Stockholm Airport. And the first class area is the honeymoon suite for backpackers. So I'm, wow. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking hostels all over the world, talking with a man who runs a hostel in Ireland, Stephen McPhillamy. Hey, Stephen, when you think about youth hostelling, generally, what's the cost now for a bed? Uh, generally across Europe, you're probably looking at 15 euros. So $20 a bed. A bed. In, what, four to eight beds in a room generally? Yeah, I think that's a safe bed, four, eight beds. The the, the days of 16 bed, 20 bed dorms are gone. People oh, aren't, aren't interested anymore. So now you got private, generally a toilet and a shower for the little room. Yeah, and you'll get free internet as well. Free internet. In that. Does that include sheets? That includes, always will include linen. Because in the old days, you'd always. bring sheets and save some money. You don't do that anymore. Yeah, these days, all you do is you turn up with your backpack. You get your bed, you get your linen. You'll usually get a towel thrown in for free. Oh, yeah. You'll get your breakfast, which is a big saving for a lot of young that's travelers. A huge deal. Yeah. And then, uh, do you get a locker? Uh, that's nearly always you pay there. You pay a deposit and, to get a lock. And yeah, and people are always looking for that. That's how you're rated on, on Hostel World. I, in websites. my guidebook, I always, if it doesn't have a locker, my people won't be comfortable in it because, you know, nobody's going to mug you, but if you leave your valuables laying around without a locker, it's dangerous. Yeah. Is the term warden still used uh, as a person who runs the place? Uh, no. It's sort it, of an old school yeah, thing. In England, yeah, they still yeah. had wardens until a couple of years That's ago. That's right, yeah, starting to be and phased they have, out. And duties was a tradition in the old days. You had to clean up and so on. The guests these days wouldn't be too interested in doing any duties. So these, these kids these days are pretty soft. Yeah, no, the, no more duties. Well, that's that's one thing that I lament about backpacking these days is that a lot of backpackers, the only thing backpacking about them is the actual backpack on their back. You know, they're young professionals. They're well able to afford a three-star hotel if they want to. Yeah. I've noticed this. Kids and young people who can afford a hotel, they'd prefer a hostel Yeah, because of the camaraderie. That's that's exactly it. You're connected in a hostel. You know there's going to be action tonight. When I went to Lisbon to check out the top hostels in the world, I committed a cardinal sin on the first night. I decided to stay in a four-star hotel close to the airport. I sat at the bar. Nobody talked to me. I went to the dining room. Nobody talked to me. I sat in the lobby. Nobody talked to me. Nobody talked to me. In a hostel, within five minutes of getting in, the staff will be inviting you out for a drink or a pub crawl that night. There's five or six other nationalities in the kitchen cooking. When humans cook together, they talk. And then you go into the dining room, sit down. Humans will always talk to each other in that kind of environment. Backpackers will always look out for the person who is on their own and then bring them into the, invite them into their group. It's a beautiful thing. And there's generally a member's kitchen where you can buy some groceries and cook or get together and have a communal meal. Yeah. A lot of backpackers want to cook for themselves at night, not just because it's saving money, but they just love to cook and they love that idea of going out to a local supermarket, buying some local produce, and, and coming back in and preparing it in the, in the kitchen. Okay, now when we're in our 20s, hosteling's sort of a slam dunk. When you get older, if you're young at heart, are you welcome in a hostel? Yeah, absolutely. In my hostel, there's lots of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, sometimes what we'll have is 
maybe a couple of people in their 20s are travelling and they'll have their parents with them and it'll take a bit of arm twisting but they'll say to their parents look tonight we're going to stay in a hostel Uh, we want to be able to meet other people you're going to enjoy it and as long as you're young at heart absolutely no problem I suppose every hostel has a personality so some hostels would be a little more brutal for old people and other hostels would be more just like a cosy chalet in the mountains where you've got every generation there that's right and that's one of the beauties of the web these days is everything is there and it can be researched. Yeah. On some of these websites, like TripAdvisor, I, I'm very skeptical about many of them because... Because you've got the, all the fake information. Yeah, some of the reviews in. are just people with personality issues maybe. And But you can read between the lines and get a good perception of what the hostel's like. Very quickly, is there still a curfew in the hostels? Most hostels don't have a curfew. A lot of hostels but these days... But that can be a bad thing because you want to sleep and it's 2 o'clock and people are still making noise. In your hostel, how do you handle that? Yeah, well, what we do in our hostel is we have staff who live on the premises... So if anyone's making noise after 11 p.m., there's a respect for that. Yeah, but you can come and go late if you like. We just give our guests the key. Is there a midday lockout? I remember in the old days, you you weren't paying to have access to the room all day long. They'd kick you out at 10 o'clock. You could get back in at five, and that was the time when the warden could go somewhere and they could clean the place. Yeah, that bewilders me. Some hostels in Europe still have that midday lockout, lockout, and I just can't get my mind around that. Why you'd ask people to leave? More likely, a formal international hostel association hostel would have that probably. Yeah, more than likely. And again, as you say, that's a lot of smaller hostels. Use it as a chance to not have to pay staff during the day right. and get cleaned up, but I don't think it's. Are the fair. rooms generally uh, mixed or boys here and girls there? Nearly always mixed, and that can be a wee bit of an issue for now, certain nationalities. Some girls would rather have uh, the privacy and so on. Don't they uh, have an option sometimes in hostels to have yeah. a room just for girls? In my hostel, I have a four bed dorm that's exclusively it's a female dorm with a bathroom in it. And I leave that, even if only one person booked it that night, I just think it's a good service. I can appreciate that there are female travelers who are more comfortable so amongst generally their own if, sex. If I'm going to go hostling anywhere in the world in, in a, just a typical informal hostel, chances are I'll be in six beds, a few guys and a few girls. Nine times out of ten, I think you're going to have to be prepared to be mixed. Bed bugs, hygiene issues, anybody ever got upset with you for uh, picking up some fungus on their feet? Well, the bed bugs is a constant problem. Uh, see, some people think the bed bugs are little dust mites or not visible to the naked eye. I've seen these little brutes and they're terrible. I have had them in the past. The problem with bed bugs is because there's so much traffic coming through uh, hostels. Are they brought in by... They're brought in on the backpacks. They're coming from hostel to hostel to hostel. Right. It's like at school if you have the... Ticks in your ticks head. In your head. Often they go to the cleanest head and <laughs> sometimes the cleanest hostels get the bed bugs. But once you get them, getting rid of them is a nightmare. You know, you're, you're getting people in with white suits and chemical sprays. A good friend of mine up in Canada, Craig Kelly, he had a hostel and he had such a big bed bug problem, he had to demolish the entire building no. and start from scratch. They were living inside the electrical sockets. They were underneath the mattresses. They were underneath the so floorboards. So what does a traveler do uh, to protect himself from this? There's many things a traveler can do to protect themselves if they sense there might be bed bugs. One is wear socks, gloves, pajamas, you know, cover up in bed because these little brutes love naked flesh. I'm no expert on it, uh, I'm no scientific expert on it, but they can sense the human sweat or skin right. at night. I think there are only certain blood types are susceptible to Have you noticed that bugs. some people get it more than others? Yeah, I've noticed like once I was in a bed in a hostel, I'll not name the country, but in a hostel in Europe, which the bed was infested with bed bugs. The bed was? Yeah. I got up in the morning, my skin looked like it had golf balls under it from my neck the whole way to my feet and my girlfriend who was in bed with me was completely untouched unscathed it's just not fair yeah so I think what happens is certain blood types react so it's a major problem now all over the world especially because in hostels the bedrooms are tighter and smaller 
beds are close to each other. Yeah. Backpacks are often thrown up against the bed or against the wall. You're going to have six people so in a room. they can come in from a backpack. If a hosteler has bed bugs and he's traveling around, he literally brings them from hostel to hostel. Yeah, well, let's say a backpacker goes to a hotel. He puts his backpack on the floor away yeah. from the bed and he sleeps and the bugs will escape onto the hotel. That's fine. But if the backpacker goes into a hostel room with five other backpacks yeah. there, these little critters are going to go into five other backpacks and then go off to five other hostels. So it's it's a huge problem in hostels much more than hotels. you talk about this at the convention? All the conventions we go to, there are workshops on bed bugs because this costs every hostel probably 15, 20 grand a year. Whoa. Um, now how did you get well, rid of if, all your... If you get them. How'd you get rid of all the, the golf ball-sized bed bug welts on your body? I just took antihistamines, but... It went away. It doesn't stay with you. It's not a persistent problem. It's just a nuisance for a week or yeah, something. Yeah, they go away after four days of... But if you're trying to run a youth hostel, that's probably a, a constant problem. People yeah. bringing in bed bugs from other hostels. Stephen McPhillamy, what a lovely note to finish our discussion on hostels on. In spite of all the bed bugs, you think it's worthwhile? Some people like yoga, some people like gardening. For me, my labor of love is my hostel. What's the name of the hostel? Uh, my hostel is called Paddy's Palace in Historic Derry. Paddy's Palace in Historic Derry in the north of Ireland. Thanks a lot and good luck with your bed bugs. Thanks, Rick. Each year, Rick Steves' tour guides take free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through England, Scotland, Ireland, and beyond, one small group at a time. This year, we're featuring tours of the best of Ireland the best of Scotland, the best of England, and London. For a free catalogue and Rick's Tour Experience DVD, visit the tour pages at ricksteves.com.